0: Okay, hello, hello, welcome everyone, my name is David Pustansky, and welcome to the Extreme Improv Skills Show. Excuse me, coughing right there, right at the very beginning, but we are live, and there is not much we can do about it. It's been this terribly hot weather recently. Today I am going to be discussing how to master just a minute and the Extreme Monologue. So... We're going to go through all of this. If you know the radio look if you're not familiar with extreme improv, but you know the radio 4 show on the BBC, just a minute, we're going to basically be telling you how to do that. Now, in extreme improv, we do a version of Just a Minute which we call an extreme monologue, which basically just takes the rules and makes the makes it harder, makes it more extreme as it were. Now, if you don't know the rules the way it works is the Radio 4 show, which is like one of the oldest shows in the world, they have a, a host. It used to be Nicholas Parsons before he passed away, but he hosted it for like 50 or 60 years. Just one guy always hosting it. And he would have like a panel of four guests on it, and they're usually comedians, but they might they may come from any walk of life. But like, you, obviously celebrities. Like, they might be... Um, Actors, presenters, comedians, sports people, you know, they'll have anyone, basically. And they'll be given topics to talk about, but they're not allowed to repeat words. And they're not allowed to hesitate, so they're not allowed to put in pauses or say non-words like, uh oh, um, and they're not allowed to deviate, which means that if they're told that they're going to be talking about the sport cricket, then they have to talk about the sport cricket. Now, they're trying to last for a minute. If they make a mistake, one of the other performers can ring a bell or buzz in. And then if they identify that a rule has been broken, they get to take over as the person talking. Whoever is in charge of talking, whoever's got like at the podium, whoever's turn it is to be talking at the end of one minute wins the round so just go over these rules again the basic idea is you'll be given a subject to speak about and you're attempting to speak about it across a one minute period until that minute runs up if you are still talking about it at the end of one minute you will earn a point if you make a mistake then someone may buzz in And if they identify correctly that you've made a mistake, then they get to take over. Now, if they correctly guessed, uh, if they correctly identify that you made a mistake, they'll get a point. And then they'll take over speaking. And if they last the minute, then to the end of the minute. So they don't have to last an entire minute because they could come in at 53 seconds and only do seven seconds. But whoever is in control of the speech after one minute gets a point. For identifying that someone has made a mistake, you then get to take over, but you also get a point. Now, this is an improv based show, and even though it is truly competitive in that you can play by the rules, you can break, you know, you can make mistakes in the rules, and then someone else will legitimately be able to beat you and take over, they also have the idea of bonus points. So that if someone interrupts and does something funny, then they might be given a bonus point. And then if someone was incorrectly challenged, either because someone just buzzed in to say something funny or because someone said, oh, you repeated something and they didn't, then they'll get a bonus point. Now, the rules again, and I'm trying to go over this all so that we have a clear idea in its head of how this game works, is you're not allowed to repeat words. And so if you said... Um, I have bought the house and the house is great. Someone might buzz in and say, you repeated two words there. You said the house twice. Now, if the subject you were given to speak about was house and it's on the the topic title, then you're allowed to repeat that word, not excessively. So if you were talking about, uh, let's think, if you were talking about sunshine... Or say that it was like the topic was a sunny day at the beach, a sunny day at the beach. You'd be able to repeat sunny and you'd be able to repeat beach and you'd be able to repeat day. And you'd probably be able to say a sunny day at the beach. I went to the beach and had a great time. And someone might say, oh, you repeated beach, but it doesn't matter because you're allowed to repeat the word that's in the topic suggestion. But you can't just think, right, a sunny day at the beach, a sunny day at the beach, a sunny day at the beach. You're not allowed to do that. That would be seen as breaking the rules. So that's the first rule. You're not allowed to repeat words, except for they. in just a minute, they do allow you to repeat um, the words on the title, like I said. But also you can repeat small words like and, if, the. You can get away with saying... I went to the beach and saw this wonderful person there and they had a brilliant expression on their face and someone say we said and twice and it would then be up to the discretion of the host of well they were two uses of the same word in very quick succession but if someone said oh 40 seconds ago you said the word I and now you've said I again that would be seen as too harsh so you would be allowed to get away with repeating very small words like that but where the line is of what counts as excessive use or fair usage of repeating small words is completely unclear but the point of the show is like with all improv shows it's not truly competitive it's just for fun so they'll let they'll allow you to get away with something sometimes and then other times they won't they'll just read the room at the time The next rule is you're not allowed hesitation, which means that you're not allowed to go, um, you're not allowed to go, the man was at the, uh, beach, because the, uh, or the, um, would be seen as a hesitation. It's a non-word. And so if you do that, someone might call you on hesitation. The other form of hesitation is literally leaving a pause, such as this one, And I would say that that pause that I just did was easily more than enough to be counted as a pause. You might get something which seems like a short pause, which you may just about get away with. And I'm going to try and demonstrate one now. Something like that. If I'd from the the length of time in between when I spoke and then when I picked the uh, picked up speaking again. That might be seen as a harsh challenge to say that that was a pause because I could literally say, oh, I was breathing in or whatever. And then you'd be able to have the joke about, well, uh, well, don't breathe then. So the first two rules, as I said, you're not allowed to repeat words and you're not allowed to hesitate. The third rule of just a minute is deviation. And this one's easy to explain. If the topic you're given is a sunny day at the beach... And then you start speaking and you say, bitter winters in Alaska, freezing cold ice and snow. Someone might say, "Uh, this is nothing to do with a sunny day at the beach. You're describing the exact opposite. And then it would come down to, oh, I was just building up my story. I was about to say, bitter winters. I can't stand them. Give me sunny days instead. And then it would be the discretion of the host, the MC, to say... Oh you didn't get to the subject that was suggested quick enough, or I think yes, we could see that that's where you were going but if you if you do something let's give another example where it'd be even more random. so say the topic you're speaking about is um, like giving birth, so the subject is giving birth, and then you start saying. Fixing my car, there needed to be a new hubcap on the wheel. So I went down to the motor place and said, I needed new parts, blah, blah, blah. And someone said, oh, you repeated new, or whatever. But but the point is, that clearly had absolutely nothing. It wasn't even contrast. It had absolutely nothing to the idea of giving birth, talking about fixing your car. And if you were, if your subject was baking a cake and you just said, I remember when I had my last blood transfusion, it's like got absolutely nothing to do with baking a cake. So that would be deviation. You've deviated from the subject which you were expected to talk about. Now that is the game just a minute. And I've always you know been very upfront with this. We do a version of this game in extreme improv, which I call an extreme monologue. And it does differ in several ways. To just a minute, so let me explain the rules of an extreme monologue, and then I will highlight how how it is different in an extreme monologue. A performer will be given a character to play and a scenario that this character is dealing with, so it might be that they're given the character of Superman, and the situation they 're dealing with is. Superman has lost Lois Lane's car keys and then you speak as the character and you're not allowed to repeat in, in an extreme monologue you're not allowed to repeat any words whatsoever and you're also not allowed to hesitate which we count as an extended pause or saying a non-word such as "er" uh or um and that is it as far as the rules go so the monologue, usually in an extreme monologue, we will have last 90 seconds. And the reason we do that is twofold. One, this is extreme improv. And so all of the rules are designed to be slightly more challenging than the standard. So if the standard is just a minute, we're going to make it so you have to last 90 seconds. And there's a few reasons for that. One is because, wow, we make it so it's bigger, better, better. You know, if bigger does in fact mean better, interpret that as you will. But if you go on the idea that, well, to do this game, you have to last, you know, half as long again, again, you know, on top of the one minute, it's now 90 seconds. So it means that there's more chance that people are going to make mistakes because they've got half as long to do as in regular just a minute. Also, because you're performing as a character, it means you've got the added challenge that you're not just talking about a subject, you you have to be the character. So whether you do an impression of the character or whether you know you choose not to and just speak completely in your own voice, there is the element that you're not just talking about something, you're supposed to be delivering a monologue, you're doing a speech as this character, which means that you can add in like emotion and it's not just talking about things clinically you can add in physicality and movement to it but an important thing there is you're still not allowed to hesitate and this remains the same as just a minute in that we count an extended pause as I explained earlier you're not allowed to pause you're not allowed to say a non-word like uh or um And this is even more challenging in the idea of doing a monologue because when you're performing a monologue, be it from a play that's currently in the West End or Shakespeare or anything from the past, George Bernard Shaw or anything, you might put in the idea of a dramatic pause. You're not allowed to in an extreme monologue. You're not allowed to have a dramatic pause because that's a hesitation. You're not allowed to give yourself thinking time. You have to keep going. Which means that in creating this monologue you're doing, you have to be thinking ahead. You're trying to do several things at once. Think to keep check of any words you've said because you're not allowed to repeat them. But you're also having to think up the story that you're creating and how you portray it as that character. And you're not allowed to pause. You're not allowed to say non words like er or um. Now, deviation. We don't have the deviation rule in extreme monologues and the reason for that is a couple of reasons but the main reason for that is when you're performing a monologue as a character we want the idea that the monologue can go anywhere because if you're playing just a minute and you're talking about cheese like in the first five seconds the audience expects you to be talking about cheese so it's like oh edam cheddar And by the end of 58, 59, 60 seconds, they still want you talking about cheese. American, Gouda, holes in it, milky, I don't know. But the point is, the whole time you need to be talking about cheese. In a monologue, especially one that lasts 90 seconds, you don't want the beginning of it to be, I'm Superman, I lost Lois Lane's keys, and at the end of the 90 seconds... You're like, where could her keys be? You know, because the story hasn't moved on at all if you do that. So we want it to be that at the beginning, you're like, I'm Superman. I've lost Lois Lane's keys. And after about 20 seconds of saying, I looked in the living room. Daily Planet didn't have them. Jimmy Olsen stole them. Then you want to be, Jim, I shoot you with my laser eyes. And now by the time you're a minute in, it's like, In the Nevada desert, burying Olsen's body, or whatever. And then by the end of 90 seconds, you know, Lex Luthor has a secret videotape of me killing the photographer, and now my life is over, or whatever. So you want the story to move on. So it can go from, I'm looking for Lois Lane's keys, to, I found Jimmy Olsen is the culprit who stole them, so I killed him, so I'm burying him in the desert, Lex Luthor is now blackmailing me, Um, and then so on and so forth. So you want the story to be able to move on. Now, this does create a problem with the rules of just a minute, compared to an extreme monologue, which people can take advantage of. And that's in as much as, in just a minute, you could get away with doing a list as a tactic and by that we might say today I was making a cake I put in milks milks Jesus I put in milk eggs flour chocolate butter and you can get away with that to some degree after a while the audience might say this is deviation now you're just listing things and you can't You can get away with lists to a degree in just a minute, but you can't do it constantly. Or, if you would say, I went shopping, if the subject was shopping, I went shopping on Amazon and bought pencils, cameras, a new dress dirt for my tree I don't know anything and it might seem like well that you're just listing things these are because because you can go on Amazon you can buy everything so they have this rule of deviation to say that well you're not you're just listing things now you're not really talking about um shopping in an extreme monologue that we do with extreme improv we don't say the deviation rule because we want to have the possibility that the monologues can go off in any direction However, that does make the rules vulnerable to someone saying, I was doing a paint by numbers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 35, 36. And, you know, that's me skipping. You could have someone just count to 90 and they've never technically repeated anything. And that so isn't within the spirit of the game. It means that the deviation rule is something that should be secret to you and your cast. You don't want to announce it to the audience because then people would say, oh, well, that monologue went all over the place. He wasn't talking about looking for Lois Lane's keys anymore. And then the audience will think you've broken the rules. So if you don't announce it, but also um, the audience don't know that there is the secret rule of deviation, which means that you can't just literally sit there and do a list, You know, listing is fine to a degree, but if you get too good at it, it's boring to the audience. You should never worry about winning an extreme monologue or winning at just a minute. Yes, you can win, and yes, you can compete uh, in a serious way. But you should give yourself the discipline and the rules that, well, I'm not just going to sit here and list. Because even though you may win the battle... In that you win the game. The audience will not like you. And so therefore you lose the war. You won the battle, that being the game. You lose the war, that being the affection of the audience. And that is important. Because if there's someone who's putting on the show. And they end up thinking, gosh this person is too competitive. Yeah, they won, but the audience hated them. I felt that they were mean-spirited and didn't do it within the spirit of the game. And so um, I'm not going to book them again. I'm not going to have them back in the show because they, they brought a vibe to the show which I didn't like. You can still play competitively, but just don't allow yourself to fall into the easy tactic of... Of doing a list. Something that goes on forever. And there is one more rule. Which I purposely skipped over. That makes an extreme monologue. Different to just a minute. And this one is important. If you're going to do an extreme monologue. And the reason I've held this one back. Is because if you can become good at this. You will not only be good at an extreme monologue. But you will be excellent at just a minute. The rules in extreme monologue, in an extreme monologue are... As well as you're not being allowed to deviate... Um, sorry, that's not a rule. Uh, as, lo- as well as not being able to hesitate, I should have said. As well as not being able to hesitate... You are not allowed to repeat any words whatsoever. And this is the biggest difference between just a minute and an extreme monologue. In just a minute, as I explained earlier... There is this vague rule that you could repeat some small words like I went to my friend's house. They baked me a cake. Delicious, said I. This is my favourite thing. It's like, oh, you said is my and you said is and something like this. It's like very small words and they'll be like, oh, that's too harsh. You said my 25 seconds ago, so we're going to let you get away with it not in an extreme monologue. In an extreme monologue, you are not allowed to repeat any words at all. None whatsoever. And the reason we do this is because it truly makes the game seem extreme, because it's definitely harder sounding. But it also means that you have to be a lot more creative. Because if you cannot repeat words like the my in a you know that it means that you have to really change the way you think to be able to negotiate around requiring these words so i'm gonna give myself a go here now i have i'm gonna do a couple of plugs throughout this show and here comes the first one if you go to the website extremes.tv and you go on to like where it says shop or merch or merch shop whatever it says You'll see that I've got advertised Extreme Improv Suggestion Cards. And the Extreme Improv Suggestion Cards are a deck of playing cards but each card has got 17, I believe, it's on there, 17 different suggestion types. And these are things like uh, famous character, professions, events, um, a feeling, an action, like a book, a TV show, like a genre. It's, it, you just draw a card knowing what category you want a suggestion from. And then there are hundreds of suggestions included on these cards. So I'm going to get one here just to have a go at this. And look, I might spot if I make a mistake myself, but realistically, this would be down to other players to listen out for when I make a mistake. But if I notice myself making a mistake, then I will call myself out on it. And I'm now going to demonstrate what I would do for an Extreme Monologue to attempt to speak without hesitation and without repeating any words whatsoever. And the subject I've got, I chose animal, and it says Bigfoot. So if I now talk about Bigfoot, and I'll try to keep going as long as I can, I'm going to start talking at the beginning of the next minute on my clock. Three, two, one. Bigfoot lives in mountains. Trees surround the Sasquatch. Everyone hears growling. Rawr. Children run, mothers clutch them. Fear. Heart pounding. Abominable snowman emerges. Lifts up. The girl. No, mummy! Crunch. Nom. Now, dead kid aside. Okay, I'm going to stop there just because it got dark. It went dark. I didn't mean to kill the child with the abominable snowman. Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, That's good, friendly Bigfoot. So anyway, but you see what I did there. And Bigfoot was a good subject matter because I instantly knew, well, there's a lot of different names for Bigfoot. There's Bigfoot. There's uh, Sasquatch. There's the abominable snowman and so on and so forth. Right, so let's have a think here. One second. Right. No, okay, that's cool. Right, I just had to check something. Something pops up on my newsfeed whenever I am trying to um, do a a podcast like this. But the point I was going to say is you get different synonyms for the same word. So if the word was going to be Bigfoot, like I said, Abominable Snowman, Sasquatch, Yeti... Uh, there's different ways of being able to say it, you could start describing it as the bear-like creature, or this gorilla, or whatever, you could find different ways to say the same things, and you could say the kids, children, younglings, you know, you find different ways to say the same idea, if you do that, it will sound exciting to the audience, because they'll be like, oh wow, he's really... Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. VoIP prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He or she or whoever, you know, they're really finding a way of keeping this thing going without repeating any words. They're finding so many different words to say the same thing. And that's exciting for the audience. Now, if I was doing it like just a minute... I might say, well, first of all, I'm allowed to say Bigfoot over and over again because the subject was Bigfoot. No, in an extreme monologue, you're not allowed to repeat anything. So it means that you have to be creative to find different ways to describe the same thing. And you're not allowed to say the twice. You're not allowed to say a twice. You're not allowed to say this, that, my, it. You know, you know, whatever is. You're not allowed to say any of these small words more than once. If you do, someone else can call out freeze. And because we have an extreme monologue last 90 seconds, it means that there is more chance that various members of your cast are going to go in and out of this, of this game. Now, when we do this in front of a live crowd at a live show, it's the case that if someone just absolutely nails it and the game is over in one then the audience should be able to recognise, wow, they went a whole minute and a half without repeating any words. But that doesn't also serve the purpose of the show. I've said this so many times on these podcasts. You've got to understand that when you do an improv show, it's a show first. It's not a real competition. So it doesn't matter if you're doing short form, long form, whatever. If you're doing long form and you're, as a group, building a story together... You shouldn't just think, well, I want my character to be the one who survives, or I want my character to be the one that wins. You know, you're telling a story. What is best for the story you're telling? If you're doing short-form improv, you don't want to just be like, well, I want to win, so I'm going to win at all costs. Even if I um, mean that we don't get to show the game properly, even if it means that the audience start to hate me, you know, don't play it that way. If you're doing an extreme monologue... And you're only going to do one of them in the entire show. Now, sometimes I might do two or three. So I might have, like, qualifi- like as a mini t- tournament, I might do, like, qualifying rounds. So that um, if people are going to buzz in, then it's like, OK, so whoever gets to the end of this 90 seconds, they're a finalist. Now we're going to do another one. And whoever gets to the end of that 90 seconds, they're a finalist. Now the two finalists will compete and they can only those two players can buzz in, and it's between these two. That's a nice way of doing it. But if you, especially if you're only doing this game once, you don't particularly want a player to start the monologue and then last the whole 90 seconds, because then the audience hasn't had a chance to see anyone else perform. They haven't had a chance to see how the rules work. And often when I do this on stage, I will give the opportunity for the audience to call out freeze and come up on stage. And you can do that. Now I haven't done it during covid times but at some point in the future I probably will reinstate that idea that the audience could buzz in and join in and take part. Now I'm not saying that your show should be rigged or fake or whatever but if you if you want if you're going to start this monologue you could have the attitude of well shoot I don't want to you know, have to go 90 seconds. So I'm going to throw the fight after 10 or 15 seconds, get a laugh and then I'll have a chance to come back in. But it does bring up the idea. And this is the same whether you're doing just a minute or if you're doing an extreme monologue. If you are talking and someone interrupts you and they say, say you said, um, my friend is a wasp, and many wasps go out and fly. They might say, oh, you repeated wasp. And here's the thing, you are a, they count as separate words if they're pluralized. So wasp and wasps count as two separate words. So you keep that in mind, because you can use that to an advantage. But say someone gave that incorrect challenge. Oh, you repeated wasp, and you didn't, because you said wasps. You get an incorrect challenge called in just a minute. You'll get a point. But either way, you'll be able to continue speaking if you then say. So anyway, the wasps were flying. People will buzz in and say, well, look, now you have repeated wasps and you said it earlier. And so it means that that carried over. So even though there was an interruption, if it was an incorrect interruption, the words that you said before you were interrupted carry over. Now, I believe I'm correct in saying this about just a minute, but it's and it's and this is definitely the case in an extreme monologue <coughs> excuse me but when when you are doing uh like an extreme monologue certainly, if someone interrupt interrupts you and they correctly if you say oh I saw a wasp and the wasp was lovely they say oh you you said wasp twice and you're like oh I did they then take over and say they said it's all me 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 and then someone says freeze you repeated me it then comes back to the original person again if they then say so as I was saying before the wasp you could buzz in and say well they said wasp earlier But generally, and I don't know if this is the case in just a minute, but it is the case in an extreme monologue. If someone interrupts you and takes over, if it comes back to you, we give you a clean slate. The reason we do this is because you could have four or five people all get turns at a single monologue. And that means you've had to listen to four or five people. And so if there's been 30 seconds since you had a go and now it comes back to you and now we're expected to remember what words you said 30 seconds earlier, which might be 45 seconds since you actually said it. It's like, well, how do you know that I definitely said that? You might be remembering one of the other people because three other people spoke after me. So generally, I would always say, have the rule that when someone gets interrupted and someone else takes over if it goes back to if control of the monologue goes back to the original player they get a clean slate now that doesn't mean just start your monologue again and say the exact same things because again you'll lose the audience doing that but just you know don't count what's already been said if someone else has had to go in between you just give them a clean slate and that way it's audience It's easier for the audience to understand, and it's easier for the performers to understand. Now, if you do an extreme monologue and you get very good at it, then you will be excellent at just a minute. And realistically, you have to question, where are you going to be playing these things? Now, I don't mind the idea, because I've put out a couple of books, and I'll speak about both of those today. But the first book, The Extreme Improv, Big Book of Improv Games, speaks about just a minute, and it speaks about Extreme Monologue. And I list them as separate games. And I always list variations as separate games. Even if I say, well, look, for the most of the rules, look at this earlier game. I will list separate games separately if there are different tactics, because the different tactics might highlight how one game is different to another. So, anyway... With an extreme monologue, you're not allowed to repeat any words whatsoever. You're also not allowed to hesitate. And if you can do that, then you'll be very good at just a minute. So always think what different ways are there to say stuff rather than say, and then this happened, and then that happened. I saw this. Instead of saying, I saw this, just say the thing you saw. So it could just be like, I'm going to describe something without all of these connective words and it will still tell you the story it's not as easy to understand but it still makes sense and as long as it still makes sense and it's not just random words then it still counts now hopefully i'll be able to do an example but again i'm completely winging this so if i said building exploded fire everywhere workers running for their lives glass shattered Feet cut. Tears rolling down faces. Now, what I haven't done within that is I could tell basically the same story and say, the building exploded and there was fire everywhere. The children were crying. Tears were rolling down their faces. And there was glass everywhere. And I'm certain, I don't know what words, but I'm certain within that I've repeated lots of these ands and was and were and that and stuff like that. And if I haven't, but I continue to speak in that similar style very quickly, I would end up repeating all of those words over and over again. So try to view it like you're painting a picture to people. So you're, you're telling a story of course about what happened. um, But you're painting a picture. You know, let's think of a different one. Sunny days outside, garden beautiful, flowers blooming, frogs hopping along, crickets chirping, grabbing bulbs from the bag. I planted several, watered them, sprouting leaves, and maybe I've repeated them. I don't know, to be honest. But the point is, like, I could like paint the picture of what was happening in the garden. And maybe there was a tiny bit of hesitation. But look, I'm talking a lot about this topic, and maybe I made a mistake. And it's okay to make a mistake. But like, the point is, you can paint the picture... And that's great for just a, uh, just a minute. If you're doing an extreme monologue, like I said, you've got to play it as the character. So say the character you're given is the Incredible Hulk. and Well, that's a character that's very growly. May, maybe I shouldn't choose it. But let's go with it for a second anyway. So say you're the Incredible Hulk and um, you need to record Iron Man on television tonight. So you could be like as the incredible hulk. You couldn't just be like hulk in room sitting down. Television on. Batteries falling, remote crunching. You know, you couldn't just do that because that's not quite a monologue. So you could you what you'd want to be like is like me hulk watching television now. Tony Stark friend proud of him remote broken where batteries be you know and i'm doing it like the hulk so he's a big growly character but the point is i've made it in the present by saying me hulk you know friend on television now where are this you know whatever uh it means that i'm able to talk as if like it's actually something happening to me right here right now And look, and a monologue doesn't have to always be in the present tense. You could do a character where they're like, um, when I was child, and I don't know why I'm still doing it as the Hulk, but you get what I mean. Um, Daddy Banner experimented on Bruce, you know, and whatever. And you, you say it, so you can say about things that happened in the past, but you want to really act it out as if you're living it. If or if it's in the past, if you're reliving it, just make it make it engaging for the audience. Because ultimately, the audience will have fun if uh, what you say is fun or engaging or exciting or sad or whatever. If you're just thinking, right, I'm going to win the game by listing vegetables. Like, imagine if you were in the Incredible Hulk and he's watching television, and you're like. Hulk watching Iron Man, boring, change channel, cooking show, spinach, potatoes, carrots, broccoli, green. Now, look, I tried to make that a bit fun at the end. Now, the thing is, like, I could have kept listing those vegetables and it would have been boring. And it's just like, that's not the point. It's never the point. If you're the person that always wins at this game or any game or any of the games, if you always feel the need to win, the audience will want you to lose. And so if you don't want the audience to want you to lose, you need to lose enough so that the audience want you to win. It's a weird psychology. But as I say so frequently on these podcasts about improv, most of these things just come down to psychology. So... If the audience see one person go 90 seconds, they're like, oh my God, or they go one minute. Wow, you went the entire minute. That was amazing. If they see it change hands 20 times in that 90 seconds, they'll be like, oh my God, they made so many mistakes. They were so bad at this, but it was so funny because then they get to see everyone have a go at it. And when the person comes back in and if they go wrong again, they're like, no, I was so close again. Now I have to try and win it back again. And the audience will get into it. If you go the full-time, one minute or 90 seconds, the audience will think that's very impressive. But then if you do another round, and then the next person goes the whole, t- the whole minute, they'll be like, well, this must be easy. And some of them might have a go at it, and then they might get frustrated because they weren't very good. If you make something look too easy, the audience won't respect that what you did was hard. Keep that in mind. The worst version of this, in my opinion... Is say someone starts the monologue and they go for thirteen seconds or six seconds or something and then someone says like freeze, and they repeated something and then they take over and go the rest of the ninety seconds or the rest of the minute. So they took over the monologue after six seconds and then kept it going um like eighty eighty seven seconds, eighty three seconds, or eighty whatever it should be. Because then it makes it look like, oh, well, one person started, they sucked, the next person came in, they were good, or they were great. So what? You know, you don't need to win at this game. If the audience have a good time, then you have won, because they have won. And then they might want to see you do it in future. And I'm not saying to throw the fight, but keep it in mind. You know, if you play this one completely to win, and then you never get eliminated... You haven't shown the challenge of it and the challenge of it is what is fun for the audience so there's a few tactics you can use lists but be careful about using lists constantly try to make it interesting and load I know loads of people will hate the idea of you shouldn't try to make things interesting and I think people that don't like that idea it's because they, they don't they don't know how to do it yet you can make something interesting what the advice i always give is is what you're doing something that would ever get turned into a film or television program or written about as the story of a book because if it is just about you making your cup of tea and it's boring then the audience will be bored of it it's like what you know if you wouldn't pay to go to the cinema to watch someone make a cup of tea why would you expect the audience to You know, be entertained by watching you make a pretend cup of tea on stage. So try to make it something interesting, exciting, dramatic. These are the things that usually go over well with audiences. Doesn't mean that you can't have some contrast and have something a bit ordinary or mundane. But so many performers just do the ordinary or mundane scene after scene after scene. Pay attention to what the other performers are doing in their scenes. So if they've just done something big and exciting, maybe you can do something more mundane. You know, it's up to you. This is just, you know, my two cents. Don't have to take it. So you can use lists, but don't always use lists. Try to make it something that you'd be willing to pay to see at a cinema or on television, Something so it's not boring or mundane. You know, use interesting words, work on your mental thesaurus, and I often say this like, if you're doing a scene and it's about football, think about how many different ways you can describe football football, soccer, the beautiful game, you know, whatever. Just come up with different ways to be able to describe the same thing. don't talk too fast, here's another tip, I'm going to begin to wrap this up in a moment, but don't talk too fast, because if you're trying to get through the entire minute, it's like, right, so then I went to this place, and people were sat there looking at me, I didn't know what to do, and like, I'm rattling through so many words so quickly, that one, it's going to be hard for the audience to keep track of what I'm saying, and you shouldn't use that as a tactic, because if you just, if the audience just disengage, because they can't follow what you're saying, that's no good at all, um, but also you'll get through all of your words really quickly and then you're definitely going to go wrong that doesn't mean that you should then purposely go slow because if you go slow that will count as a hesitation so for example today timothy sat watching from his bedroom hesitation it's far too slow And it's boring and it's mundane. You could vary it up. So, today, Timothy sat wistfully looking out his bedroom window. Ah. And look, I I sped up certain little bits there just to try and make it a bit more interesting. But if you literally, you know, just make it so dull-sounding... Then, or so slow, the audience will disengage, which again means that you lose. So don't go too fast, but don't go too slow. No one wants to see you win if you're just concentrating on winning the game. They they don't want to see you win at all. They want to see an entertaining show. Keep that in mind. It doesn't matter to them so much who wins, as long as the show is fun. Now, I'm going to wrap things up there. This is something I could talk about a lot more. And in the future, I might do a podcast where I've got guests on where we can break down a game, kill it, but try it out and see how things work. And that might be a fun series, actually. I might start doing that as a different type of series. That's a good idea. And look at that. Had that idea live on this show. Anyway, now I've got a couple of things to plug and you are going to want to hear them. So please don't switch this off yet. Because if you've just listened to me for the last 40 odd minutes, then you know, why not? Just like, hear me out here. So first of all, we've got a live show in London, in the United Kingdom, on Tuesday the 26th of July, 8pm at the Cockpit Theatre. If you go to the website www.extremed.tv, it's got links to get tickets to all of our live shows. So do check it out there. Now I know that a lot of people that listen to this might be in the United States, or they might be in England, but a long way away from London or whatever. If you can't make it, I understand. But look, if you want to really help me out, and I'm not even joking with this, you could buy a ticket anyway. It will help us at the box office. It'll be like giving a a donational tip, you know, and then we perhaps find... If you let me know, then we could donate your ticket to someone else in the audience. I'd be more than willing to do that. If you can make it to the show, we'd love to have you there. How about that? I started with the idea of buy a ticket if you can't attend. But look, if you can attend... If you are going to be in London, or can be in London, on Tuesday the 26th of July, I'd really love to see you at the Extreme Improv Comedy Show at the Cockpit Theatre. 8pm start. It's going to have a couple of hours of hijinks and madness with a really good cast of uh, performers. Actors, comedians, improvisers, whatever they want to call themselves. So uh, do check that out, because there's nothing like an Extreme Improv Show... Live on stage. I love doing all the virtual stuff. And I'm going to speak more about that in a second. But I uh, do get the opportunity to see us live. The other thing I'm going to talk about. Because I, I, I considered should I do a podcast just about this. And I decided that no I'd do the Extreme Monologue. Just a Minute podcast today. But I recently a couple of weeks ago. Released a new book. Which is the Extreme Improv Ultimate Guide to Creating Virtual Theatre. So if you've ever seen any of the online Extreme Improv shows whether it's the short form show extreme improv extremes where we'll do games like extreme monologue or if it's long form like just uh, uh like just a minute like revenge of the werewolf or if it's um other kind of quick fire games or podcasts uh, or game shows like slam jam or geek battle or whatever these are all virtual theater shows and this book the extreme improv ultimate guide to creating virtual theater will tell you everything you need to know to create a successful, high quality, well-functioning show that isn't going to crash, will help get you seen by new audiences where you can work with performers from all across the world. It says how to use loads of different major software like Zoom, Skype, Google Meet, um, Messenger Rooms, Microsoft Teams, And they're like video call software and tells you how to design the shows in them, how to operate the shows with them. And then it's uh, got stuff like, well, how do you design your show in broadcasting software like OBS, like Streamlabs OBS, like XSplit, like Twitch Studio and a bunch of others, StreamYard, um, Restream Studio. It covers solutions for all of these different softwares and they've all got their different quirks so you can really you don't just it doesn't just give you one method it gives you many methods to be able to create your show it then tells you advice on how to run the show if you're the technician it gives you tips for how to act in a virtual theater show because it's not exactly the same as when you perform on stage it tells you how to market your shows it tells you uh which platforms you should be on it tells you which types of shows work I've really tried to put a lot of thought into this so that it covers everything you need to know about creating a virtual theater show from scratch all the way through to making sure that you've got an audience and that people are enjoying it. So anyway, I'm going to wrap things up there. The details on the tickets, the books, anything else, the suggestion cards I mentioned earlier, go to www.extremed.tv. So, um, on that note, My name is David Bustansky. This has been the Extreme Improv Skill Show. I always say this, I'm going to try to do these more regularly. I've spent a lot of time working on that book that I was just talking about. So now that that's done, hopefully I'll have more time to podcast and tell you about it. Uh, Check out the Extreme Improv Facebook page, YouTube channel, www.youtube.com forward slash Extreme Improv. Smash that subscribe button, share it to people, help us grow and ciao for now.